Hi, this is Jay Sunhalter, ESPN3 analyst and former Pirate football tight end. And you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Welcome into the Pirate Preview right here on the Sports Objective, our great show that you can hear. Obviously, if you're listening to our podcast, you're watching us on Facebook Live, of course, our YouTube channel. And Bubba, we're so excited. We've got a, uh, I always said a lot, Kyle gets on me, but tonight we really do have a big show. Yeah, I'm trying to think back if it, if this was um, Sunday or Monday, whenever we got the news that Jay was going to be on the call with the ESPN Plus broadcast. Monday. On Saturday for for the Tulane game, I'm very excited, and uh, we were planning on having him on anyway, but that uh, sealed the deal. And uh, welcome back in, former Pirate tight end Jay Sonhalter. Thanks, guys, so much. It's going to be awesome, uh, awesome game Saturday, East Carolina and Tulane. They really played their best games of the season last week. Both of them did, so it's going to be a a really good game Saturday. I'm excited to be on the call. Well, I'm happy for your broadcast career, but I'm upset because I messed up my plans. I was going to try to talk to Coach Houston to sneak you in for some plays at tight end so we could get uh, Rajay Harris and the running game really going. Maybe we could get the once we got it going, uh, then you could go back. But uh, you can only be in one place at one time. So that plan <laughs> is not going to work out too well for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll be in the air conditioner, but <laughs> play. <laughs> Playing is uh playing for any team is always fun, but I guess I guess uh, I'm too old too old now. But I appreciate the effort. <laughs> Before we talk about the game, too, uh, let's get a uh, injury report. Uh, how are the ligaments doing? Uh, last time we had, I know that you've been able to thankfully, like a lot of Americans, I was reading the stat. I was telling you pre-show, uh, well over fifty percent. I think it was sixty-four percent. A huge number that we're working for at home, and so I'm glad that you've been able to work at home. How are you doing? How's the recovery? Are you riding the bike? I know you, you're probably doing like five hours a day rehab. Yeah, I, I'm feeling so much better. I'm about to kind of get off crutches here soon. Cool. Uh, I got hurt originally July 4th, so it's uh, it's been a long process, but honestly, it's a blessing because, you know, it slows you down and make, makes you realize all the things you're lucky and blessed to have. So I view it as a positive thing, but, um, you know, just doing the best to get healthy, but. I appreciate you guys always always supporting my rehab efforts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We want to make sure that we tell the administration again, you and Corey Glore can do a lot of those. Uh, whenever we have the Olympic sports back, it's been crazy nuts with COVID. Uh, guys, Wednesday, yesterday they had a, the biggest – I don't know if you guys saw this. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it because we love to talk COVID-19 on our show. But it affects sports so much. And we'll be talking about crowd, crowd size, I'm sure, a few times here today, tonight. Uh, but 104,000 cases is the biggest one single day ever uh, for Corona as far as uh, COVID-19 in the United States. Crazy stuff. And people, please, if you love pirate sports like we do, and I know we have a huge fan base, please do not have huge holiday gatherings. Uh, there's a reason there is a, you know, people use that politically that the word science, uh, but I will tell you, uh, there's something to the science because every time we have huge crowds, 
we have big clusters and uh, unfortunately guys i think it's uh i'll seg out of that by saying that i hate for jay's uh, great appearance on espn plus that we don't have the fifty thousand rocket and i said it a couple of days ago. i really believe that uh we would have about forty thousand people there uh based on the fact and i think uh kyle said it you did uh um, bubba uh, we would have a decent crowd there here for Saturday. The Pirates are playing so much better. The program is on uh, certainly on the climbing every rung of the ladder, so to speak. And you guys uh, with Tulane, this is a game to me that's uh, – I hate to use the term 50-50, but I really believe this is a winnable game. I know Tulane feels the same way about East Carolina, but this is not the East Carolina under Scotty Montgomery, okay? And we almost won in 17 at that cold night. Um, but how do you guys feel? I'll start with you, Bubba. How are you feeling about the the game? And then we'll get to our guest, Jason Holt. I think it'll be a fairly high scoring game. I don't think it's going to be anything crazy, you know, like Ruff's debut where it was 51-49 or something along those lines. But I do think it's a game that will probably be played in the 30s. Uh, you look at Tulane uh, prior to the 38-3 victory over Temple. Um, those guys had put up at least, uh, I think it was 30 or 31 points plus in uh, their three losses against Houston, UCF, and um, SMU, um, overtime loss to SMU in New Orleans. So, so they definitely can score. Um, excellent freshman quarterback, which we'll talk about here in a minute with Jay, because yeah. I know he, he's uh, seen plenty of film on him. And then also I uh, talked to Coach Fritz about him um, earlier in the week. But um, – I think it's a game that um, if we are clicking on all cylinders um, like we did against uh, Tulsa uh, offensively and just take care of the football, don't have those three miscues and maybe play a little bit better in the red zone, uh, I think it's a game that I like our chances of winning. I, I really think the Pirates are going to come out victorious. And uh, I know we'll talk more as far as a specific prediction later on. Well, for, for both teams, you know, like, like I said, really coming off the best performance of the year for both sides. East Carolina, um, devastating, you know, call call there that didn't go their way, but they played really well. And then Tulane um, dominated Temple. And uh, you know, both sides are really coming on. And Tulane, three and four right now, if they can win this, you know, get them to 500. And then for East Carolina, uh, an important game just to – kind of see how the team responds from last week. And yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of young players on both sides that are really, really good players. So it'll be fun to watch, you know, the young talent. No doubt. In fact, uh, Jay, one of the things that I'm concerned about, I want to get your opinion and Bubba's, I was thinking about this, uh, knowing you were going to be on and we have Bubba and, and uh, maybe Kyle from LaGrange later on. We'll see if Kyle will uh, come in here in a little bit. But uh, – what worries me, and I'll get your feeling, and no disrespect to our offensive line, but what worries me, we need the running game, Raji Harris. we got it rocking, and I love Coach Shankweiler, but the matchup of the offensive line of East Carolina versus – Dave, I'm East sorry to interrupt. You need to backtrack. Rajay Harris. I said Rajay. I'm sorry. I thought, I mean, it sounded like, like Raji. No, 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 no. I – I saw that Twitter video, and I have – there's some days I practice for hours, but Raji Harris, yeah. No, uh, there's some people that I'm still here to see Raji, and I was like, oh, man. Um, I apologize, you know, and I stand corrected. No, it's okay. Um, I love Raji Harris, but my biggest concern is the 
and I want to get your take, Bubba and uh, Jay, the offensive line. Um, I know that the defensive line of uh, Tulane is uh, bigger, and they, they have a lot of great athletes on the line. But you know what? I think the offensive line of East Carolina has been playing better. I think they're getting a lot more confidence. I think the uh, they've had a chance to play together more. And uh, I guess I'm not sure about the injuries for this week uh, for offensive line, but that's my biggest concern for the whole ball game. Everything else, I, uh, to be honest, I feel very good about. What do you guys think? Well, for I think for both teams, it, the line play is going to affect is going to that's going to be the key in the ball game because East Carolina wants to run the ball and have balance. And the strength of Tulane's defense is the defensive line, so it's going to be a battle up there. You know, can Tulane's defensive line stop the run, or is East Carolina going to have the ability to run the ball and create play action passes? Um, on the other side. East Carolina is blitzing a lot and doing a lot of different stunts. Can they get to the freshman quarterback or can Tulane protect up front and allow him time to throw the ball? Cause he's got a really strong arm and talented wide receivers on the outside. So I, I think the battle of the trenches in any game is important, but especially this game. Yeah. Taking a look at the matchup and that's something that Kyle and I, as well as Dave had had discussed um, how good um, they are in the front seven. Uh, so, um, you know, Rod, Rajay has had his three consecutive 100-plus yard games um, right around 120 um, against Tulsa and USF with that game against Navy in between where he had 175 or so. Um, but I think uh, this will be probably more like the Tulsa game if we can get 125 to 150 yards rushing and you know just enough to have a a threat there um, a, a serious threat uh, where we can run the ball if we need to in short yardage situations but then also uh, make the play action pass more effective because we know Holton is so effective um, when, when Rajay has done what he's done the last three games no question about it. In fact, guys, with the Bubba, help me out on this. Let's see. So this would be, if I'm, my memory serves me right, is this the third straight game, or the will be the fourth straight game? Rajay Harris with 100 yards, the third. This would be yeah. fourth. This it will be, be fourth because he did with Georgia State, yeah. right? No. Okay, well, no. This would be the fourth. He he has three currently: USF, then Navy, and then Tulsa. That's why I'm I'm going crazy. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get in my head. So, yeah, so this will be the fourth one and 400 yards or uh, four straight 100. When's the last time we had that Cooper? I know for two was Cooper, but I, I don't know he had four straight, did he? I'm not sure. I That's can't. a good question. I'd, I'd have to delve into the uh, fact book. That was one of the questions I want to ask you guys because I didn't know the answer to it. And Bubba's our numbers guy, Jay. So, you know, like we, we need to have a – like the election stuff, we need to have a big uh, board that we have Bubba at because he's so good with stats, and uh, mm -hmm. that was one of the that was one of the things that I was curious about because um, Jay, one of the things that uh, I'm really happy about is certainly the running game. Uh, that's been great. Another thing that um, the one thing that I will say is that the more, which is obvious, is the more that we can have the running game, Holt Naylor's won't be trying to. I think sometimes he tries. He puts way too much pressure on himself and puts too much on uh, him trying to make a play. He is a playmaker 
and he has a lot of talent. But if um, if you want the, I think the scouting report would be for Tulane is to stop the run and make Holt Nailers uh, try to make these incredible plays because that's when things can go bad for the Pirates. Well, I, I just think you know for any quarterback, um, you know, for the Pirates on Saturday, they've got to have balance because when you have a running game and when you're playing, you know, when you're out on the field. So like when I used to play as a tight end, if you have a running game, it makes running a route so much easier um, because the linebackers are coming up. They're respecting the run, especially on play action pass. And it creates voids in the defense. So it's, it's imperative, um, you know, on, on both sides, really. I mean, on both, both teams, but for East Carolina to have the running game, because that's going to open up the passing attack and you know, a lot of depth at the wide receiver position for ECU. And, you know, it gets everybody in a rhythm as well. No question about it. When when you look at uh, one of the things that uh, Coach Hall said about, I thought was really cool about uh, Blake Harrell's defense uh, for uh, Tulane's offensive coordinator, the very fact that, you, uh, he compared East Carolina's defense to Navy. I thought that was a huge compliment. I think Blake Harrell, uh, I had another guy say that to me today, that he really loves uh, Pirate fan and, and graduate. He told me uh, earlier tonight that he feels like, he said, how excited are you about the defense? And I said, I'm very excited about the defense. I, you know, For me personally, the, the style that they're playing LJ it looks like, and I asked Coach that last night with the coordinator report, they really look like they're having fun. And I think when you're having fun, uh, I know that Coach uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick talked about there's guys on the football team now that love to play football. And the ones that don't want, <laughs> don't like football, they're, they're not going to be on the team much longer or they're not on the team anymore. And so you look at a situation now with um, when you have uh, Blake Harrell with that defense. The one thing that bothers me is when you don't have aggressive play. And I always joke that if they want to watch the game, they can come up with me in section two and uh, get it and buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, football is a game of emotion and it's, it's meant to be played, you know, at a high level, but with a lot of intensity and to have fun. And, you know, I saw, I saw a video, um, you know, it was on NFL network of Bill Belichick and he was like in a team meeting with the Patriots and, he was showing them, he was like going over film and when they celebrated, when they played well, um, you know, with intensity and they were having fun, how successful they were. And he was just kind of showing kind of like after they scored a touchdown, certain situations where nobody would really celebrate and then other situations where everybody would celebrate. And, you know, how does that correlate though, you know, to the college game or any level? It's, you know, when you're out there having fun, playing really hard, having a high intensity, but having fun, it's infectious and contagious and it, you know, really allows you to play better. So it's, it's huge. And Jay, one of the big topics that's been discussed this week is obviously what transpired last Friday night out at Tulsa um, and the pirates um, being the victim of some bad officiating. And we certainly could have done some more ourselves to not allow the officials to have it in their hands, but, Nonetheless, uh, you you can't uh, put any lipstick on that pig for sure. And uh, so just as a former player, um, just talk about, I was just thinking back to the years uh, when you were playing, I was trying to think of the closest thing I could uh, that would parallel that situation. Um, And, you know, bouncing back from a disappointing loss like that, especially one where you felt like you were on the 
the short end because of uh, something outside of your control? Well, it's tough. And, you know, I mean, whenever there's calls that maybe go against you or you feel like should have been called or whatever the situation may be, it's really tough. And you know, for East Carolina, that was tough circumstance last week, but it's all about how do you respond from that? How do you get up from that? You know, the conference came out, made the statement and, you know, it's good for that recognition, but it's, it's not going to change anything, but what that experience can do is affect you, uh, you know, either positively or negatively. And for East Carolina, they have to use that as motivation. You know, they have to use that as, you know, an adversity situation where they learn how to get, you know, get up from that and, and get back to the grind. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's an important game you know, for both teams for a lot of reasons on Saturday. But for East Carolina, you know, just another response um, for them from that game last Friday. Now, welcome in uh, the third member of the crew, Kyle Barber. And Kyle, how are you? What's going on, Bubba? Your volume's very low on my end. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you fine. How's it going, man? It's going, dude. It's going. Um, had uh, had to had to get something done before the show, so I got it done, and uh, yeah, we. And I'm joining you guys. Yeah, we we know all about that, and uh, well, it's a family show, so we'll pirate preview here. We're talking ECU Tulane Saturday high noon. Uh, Kyle, you're going to be uh, working around the house, uh, doing some yard work. I, I take it at high noon on Saturday. No, uh, unfortunately, it looks like I'll be at home unless Bubba's found out something uh, and hadn't told me. Uh, but, uh, as, as far as I know, I'll be at home, but I'll, 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 uh, I'll be watching the game and, uh, hopefully getting, uh, celebrating, oh, about three thirty a much needed win because guys, after the last two games against Tulsa, we all know what happened and against Navy, we desperately need to win this football game. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's certainly nothing's a must win. It's a weird season. But these guys deserve a win. How about that? How about not a must win? This is a deserved win. No question about it. And well, by the way, guys, I, I forgot to look this uh, afternoon. I was going to. What's the line on the game as of today? Do you guys know? Uh, yeah. Last I think it was five. Uh, what is it now, Bobby? Do you know? It's going up. It, it yeah. is five. Yeah. It, it opened at wow. what, three. It opened at three or three and a half or something like yeah. that. And now it's five. Yeah, yeah. I, um, go figure. Yeah, I, I I don't see that. Maybe I'm missing something, but not disrespecting uh, Tulane at all. But I I think it's going to be much. You well, know, one like, thing I, yeah. I wonder with the, how aggressive we are on defense and the way they play offense, um, I, I wonder with their ability to run the ball if that will uh, kind of keep our aggression in tow. Um, I'm, I'm curious about that. I, I think, uh, I think this game could be more high scoring on both sides than what people probably think it's going to be. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see this game. You know, the Tulsa game was more high scoring on both sides than I think most people thought. And I think this could be the same way. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams are in the middle thirties. Yeah, Kyle, right, right before you joined, we actually were discussing that and how, you know, Tulane, um, I, even in their three losses um, against UCF, Houston, and then the overtime loss against SMU, and they scored 30-plus in each of those. And then, obviously, uh, last week against Temple, 38-3. to three. So, uh, I, I agree with you. I could see this being, a, I don't know, a 38-31, 41-34, or something like that. 
I'm I'm predicting overtime. Overtime. I'm predicting overtime. Uh, overtime. I've, I've seen a lot of East Carolina two-lane games go to overtime, and uh, unfortunately, they have not fallen our way. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see another one go to overtime. And damn it, we're due. I I hate that. I hate when people say we're due. It's the stupidest sounding thing in the world to me. But we are due. We're due for some luck to find fall our way. Knock on wood. Oh, speaking of which, I was talking to uh, the guys before the show, uh, but I want to get you guys on the air to. Um, how do you, not to bring up the subject, but as far as officiating goes, how do you think the, the officials will call this game on, on Saturday at lunchtime at noon? I would think they'd be on their P's and Q's and, uh, and make sure they call a fair game. You know, um, I, I'd like to say we get some makeup calls, although Tulane did nothing to uh, deserve. Right, right. I understand that them. But I, I'd like to see a call, call a good game. And if any calls are... <laughs> If any, if there's a replay and you're not quite <laughs> sure if it should go the Pirates' way, uh, maybe throw it our way, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, I was saying, I was telling Jay beforehand, uh, I don't think Bubba, I don't know if Bubba heard me, but uh, pre-show, the very fact that, could you imagine, not that I want it to happen, but um, Coach Houston will lose his mind if they have two games in a row like what we experienced uh, last Friday night and again on Saturday, I really find yeah. it really hard to believe that that would happen again. Uh, if it happens two games in a row, you know something's up. Hey, Jay, uh, I'm sure it's been talked about. How fired up are you, man? Uh, get to call the game Saturday. Yeah, it's it's such a great opportunity, and I'm just so excited, um, you know, to be on the broadcast. And both teams, you know, like like you said, it's, it's such an important game for East Carolina and Tulane. Tulane three and four, they can, you know, if they win, they go to 500. And for East Carolina, uh, they've been playing so much better here the past couple weeks. So it's it's really important on both sides. But I'm very very humble to be on the broadcast. So who is your who's your broadcast partner? Uh, Evan Lepler will be play by play. He's the guy that uh, Kyle with you know with uh, Nate Ross a lot of the basketball games year before last. They uh, Evan does a good job, and I think does he uh, Bubba does he do a lot of um, was it Charleston or Coastal Carolina or he has done some hasn't he? In South Carolina uh, last year or two, he probably has. Um, I, I know you know Nate Ross is based out of uh, Charleston, Charleston right? that, that, that general area, but uh, but yeah, I, I know Evan has done a, a lot of our games. Jay, how how hard is it going to be to uh, be uh, non partial? Oh, I'm I'm very I'm I remove myself from the situation. I'm I'm uh, I am just a broadcaster, <laughs> so wow. I. Uh, I, uh, you know, I just would you been able to have stayed neutral uh, Friday night? Friday night, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just see what you, you say what you see. So if uh, Tulane's doing something, I'll, I'll, you know, explain it or share it. Same with East Carolina. Yeah, but. yeah. But in a situation like what happened Friday night with the officials, you, you wouldn't have lost it. Oh well, I mean, you say you say the truth. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. you say what happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's what they, I mean. Like, you know, something like that happens. Yeah. You, have to, you gotta say I, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have said it, and I would have said it with some with some with some nice verbiage. You go. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm telling you. I, I, I hats off to you. I don't think I could. I don't think I could stay neutral calling a game. Uh, <laughs> not East Carolina game. Was good anybody else's. Uh, particularly with like what what happened Friday night, I I I would have I'd be like this is some bullshit. So, 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that that's exactly what you, we want on ESPN Plus. Uh, oh, Jay's. I think you should uh, actually sit in with I, Jay on the broadcast. What do you, you know think, what? Jay? You know and I bet you if Jay did that, he would be high, that you would be all over the place. He'd make highlight reels. It would. It would. Jay it would actually boost your career. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You'll. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know how to say cuss. I don't know any cuss words though. So I got to. I got to clean. Okay, you don't. <laughs> Yeah, I've never said what. anything. After the show, give me a call. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> I was just reading your, yeah, thanks. That's awesome. Uh, a great uh, a great line there Bubba just sent me. Uh, do you want to go to an interview now that we had pre-recorded from yesterday? Yeah, we can. All right, let's do that. Uh, we have our next guest. We'll come back with... Kyle and uh, Jay uh, on the other side. We've got some uh, roundtable topics, but Bubba, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, on uh, Thursday afternoon, well, Thursday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, we caught up with Andrew Allegretta, the play-by-play voice of the Tulane Green Wave, and let's go to that with Andrew right now. Well, there's a big game on Saturday, and some Pirates fans, 3,500, will get a chance to watch the game. And Bubba, I know we've got uh, got a very special guest now. Yeah, with the Pirates taking on the Green Wave, like you said, 12 o'clock at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Welcome back in the play-by-play voice from Tulane, Andrew Allegretta. Andrew, welcome back into the show. Uh, it's good to be back. I think this is what the third appearance. I have fun with you guys. Yeah, you're you're awesome. I think we were. Uh, one of the things we've been talking about with the game, Andrew, is uh, we're really proud of uh, the League of the American and how the bottom of the league has really, really improved. Like with Tulane, for example, with Willie Fritz, uh, with a new stadium, and you have a lot of things going. We've talked to you that about that before, and uh, Tulane is uh, a program that's really on the rise. You know, I think Coach Fritz has done an excellent job. I've probably said this to you guys before. I think he's one of the elite program builders in the entire country. He may not get the recognition because he has not worked at a quote-unquote Power 5 school. He has sort of climbed the ranks in the same way that Coach Houston has climbed the ranks. But Coach Fritz has done an incredible job at a program that, you know, quite frankly, whether Tulane fans want to really – think about it and talk about it. It's a difficult place to be successful for a long period of time. And Coach Fritz has done a great job. And it's also nice uh, with the way that Coach Houston has started to turn that program around. It's good to see that the entire American Conference is, you know, it's a short history. So it's easy to poke holes at the American guys. But it is nice to see the Americans start to get some recognition nationally as truly the skilled conference that it is. Kind of expanding on that a little bit, Andrew, uh, I'm, this is going off memory, but I'm pretty sure prior to Willie Fritz, um, Tulane had not been to back-to-back bowl games, and they had their first back-to-back winning seasons in quite some time as well. Yeah, so Tulane had not gone to back-to-back bowl games since 1979 and 1980, and Tulane had never one back-to-back bowl games, which it has now done. It's also shooting to have three consecutive winning seasons for the first time in 40 years. So I guess that's what I'm getting at. There's a lot of really proud history at Tulane, especially if you go back to the SEC days, or you can talk about 1998 with Sean King and going undefeated. You can talk about Mac Brown coaching here. There are proud moments, but in terms of sustained success, that hasn't happened. And Coach Fritz has, at least so far, 
uh, brought that to Uptown New Orleans. Andrew, what was the biggest thing that he tried to instill culture-wise when he came in to really flip the switch and get things going in the right direction? He's just going to put his hard hat on, so to speak, and he's going to go to work every single week. Uh, and I think that sort of mindset has trickled down throughout the program. It's a program that has needed consistency. It has needed the time to build and grow and develop to plant the proverbial seeds and then watch them grow. And I think the consistency with which he does his work now in his fifth season, you're starting to see it pay off, especially the past two seasons. Look at three and four this season. That's not where Tulane wants to be. That's not where coach Fritz wants to be. Uh, but in terms of being consistently competitive and, and making noise in this particular conference, a much more challenging conference than Conference USA or the past conferences for Tulane. I think that is the result of just the consistency and the steady hand that Coach Fritz brings. You know, last week, Andrew, um, you guys um, snapped a three-game losing streak, 38-3 to victory over the Temple Owls there in New Orleans. So just talk about how nice it was uh, after um, three very difficult games against the Houston Cougars, uh, SMU, which is an overtime loss in New Orleans, and then at UCF uh, in consecutive weeks, um, what, what it was like to, to win so big against Temple, even if they did, um, or even if they were missing, excuse me, they're starting quarterback. That's the gauntlet, right? It's everybody but Cincinnati. It's everybody but Memphis. To go through Houston, UCF, and SMU in three consecutive weeks, that's awfully difficult. And the truth of the matter, guys, is styles make fights. And the style matchups with Houston, SMU, and UCF, they're difficult for anybody, but they're especially difficult for Tulane. Uh, the weakness of Tulane's team this season is the back end of its defense. Uh, it is a inexperienced secondary. They have a couple of upper-class pieces, but not a lot of depth when it comes to experience in the secondary. So if you get a Shane Bouchelle, Clayton Toon, and Dylan Gabriel, they can throw it around the yard on anybody, and especially on Tulane. Now you get a Temple team that is missing its starting quarterback. It's a more physical-minded team to begin with. It's not a high-volume passing attack like those other two. The style is just so much better. And Tulane absolutely took advantage of it. And you talk about uh, a load coming off the shoulders of Coach Fritz in this program. We, we knew the back half of the schedule was going to be more quote-unquote manageable, not easy, but manageable. And they did exactly what they needed to do to try to make a run in the back half of the season. Andrew, one of the things that's nice is, of course, uh, recently in the last few weeks, they've They've gotten rid of the win totals as far as uh, how many wins you have to be eligible for a bowl, be 500. And you guys are sitting pretty right now, three and four, with a handful of games left. You guys could uh, definitely make yourself make the mark, so to speak, and, and go to a bowl again. I think so, for sure. When it comes to East Carolina coming up, you've got Army, you've got Tulsa, and then Memphis. Again, I'll go back to it. Um, you talk about it all the time in college basketball, right? Like, who is your path to the Final Four? 
do your styles match up with whatever seed you happen to be going up against? Uh, I don't think that East Carolina, Army, and Tulsa are going to be easy by any stretch for this Tulane team, but the styles are just way more manageable. Does Tulane want to go to a bowl game with a four and seven record? No. Five and six record? No. But if you can win a couple of football games and you can get to the finish line at six and five, especially after going through a tough slog against Houston, SMU, and UCF, I think you feel like you're a team that's worthy of a bowl game appearance. And that's one of those things. And this year, like you're saying, I wholeheartedly agree. In most years, you know, three, four, five wins, absolutely not. But it would be interesting to know what a lot of these coaches are thinking, particularly at certain schools, in terms of, um, you know, getting that extra 15 practices, whether they will um, take it on financially. That's that's one piece we haven't even mentioned. And then also um, just to reap the benefit of those 15 additional practices, particularly if they have a young football team like East Carolina. For Tulane's perspective, guys, I think Coach Fritz would take it 10 times out of 10. If it's five and six, I think they'd take it 10 times out of 10. Quite frankly, he might even take it if it's four and seven, 10 times out of 10. Uh, you're talking about a guy that wants this program to play as many football games as possible, uh, wants to be able to showcase its style, its people, uh, to its recruits as much as possible, and you want those 15 extra practices. Uh, I think Coach Fritz would take it. Now, you're starting to get into a conversation about, you know, is it really three consecutive bowl games if you make one at four and seven? Whatever. I don't know. I guess that's a conversation to have uh, down the stretch. Uh, but if you're too lane, I think you think, let's try to get to six and five and feel like we've earned our way into a bowl game. Andrew, when you look, when you look at this game and you look at the strengths on both sides for both teams, you know, there, there's definitely some sides for East Carolina that's been playing really well on the offensive side and on the defensive side for Tulane. And Tulane's defensive line is really good. But you flip, you flip it to the other side. How do you think Pratt's protection has been with his offensive line? And how do you foresee that going against the East Carolina defense that likes to blitz a lot? Yeah, it's a good question. I talked with Will Halt, the offensive coordinator, about that earlier today. Uh, we're, we're recording this, guys, on, uh, let's see, Wednesday. Uh, so I talked to him on Wednesday's practice about it. He compared East Carolina's defense to the Navy defense that liked to blitz a lot. And that gave Tulane a ton of problems in the second half. It's a big reason Tulane let a 24 nothing lead go in the second half. I guess the plus from the Waves perspective is that you've seen it and you should have a better sense. Now, the offensive line has, has taken some significant body blows throughout the past couple of weeks. There was a freshman right guard that had been playing by the name of uh, Josh Remitich. Outstanding. He got mono, guys. Uh, he's out. Like, it is what it is. Uh, Joey Claybrook, who is starting at left tackle, he got banged up. He should be able to go. He played a little bit against Temple. He should be able to come back. Uh, they had a backup guard in Caleb Thomas, who got hurt last week. Uh, that offensive line has just kind of rotated bodies throughout the course of the season. It's also part of the reason the running game has slowed down. Uh, the offensive line getting hurt a little bit, and Tajay Spears, the best running back, tearing his ACL against Southern Miss. Uh, so the offensive line has been a patchwork, um, but I will say it has been better as of late, specifically the game against Temple. And I think the advantage of seeing a blitzing-style team like Navy earlier should give those guys a reference point. Um, 
you want to hold up for Michael Pratt because if he's got an extra second, he can throw it down the field. Uh, I, I think, Jay, that's a really good point. And if you had to circle kind of a matchup this week yeah. to follow, uh, that certainly could be it. H- how well does the blitzing of East Carolina get home to Michael Pratt? Because if it gets home, well, then it's a problem for Tulane. But I, I think I could say the reverse, too. If if Tulane's blitzes get home to Holton Aylers, well, then good luck to the Pirates as well. Yeah, how, how do you, just on the other side, how, how do you, how do you, uh, view the defensive line in the front seven for Tulane? Because I know there's a lot of big names there. The front seven is the strength of that defense for sure. And the defensive line uh, is certainly the strength of the defense. It's kind of interesting to me that over the past handful of games, East Carolina has tried to place a premium on running the football, which from a Tulane perspective, I would say, okay, that's fine. Go for it. Because our weakness are, you know, Dylan Gabriel and Shane Bouchelle thrown at 30 yards downfield and us missing a couple of tackles and all of a sudden a 20-yard gain becomes 60 or 70. Um, so I think that would help Tulane. It doesn't mean that East Carolina is not going to score points. It's going to score points. Um, it's just if you're going to focus on running the football, I would think that that behooves green, uh, the green wave to, to some extent in this ballgame. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Andrew. I think this could be – very much um, because of what you're saying about the strength of Tulane defense being in the front seven, um, kind of like the Tulsa game last week. Um, you knew probably going into that game it wasn't going to be like a couple of games or maybe even three games this year where the Pirates would run through an excess of um, 200 yards. Um, but last week we had some success. Um, Rajay Harris had his third consecutive 100-yard game. What a freshman campaign he's having. Um, but uh, I think for the team, we had about 130 yards rushing, 125, 130 yards, um, but ran it enough to give Holton in the passing time, the passing game, excuse me, time to uh, operate. So I think that's going to be the key this week, to not necessarily have a ton of yards, but run it well enough so that the, the passing game can go to work. You know, and someone else made the point to me about the way that East Carolina throws the football um, obviously, you guys can go vertical and stretch the field, but there's also a lot of working the passing game horizontally, which I think benefits Tulane as well because that includes the linebackers and the tackling process. Nick Anderson, Dorian Williams, Kevin Henry, Marvin Moody, they can tackle. The problem has been the secondary tackling. If you get out to that uh, third level, I guess, with Chase Kirsten needing to make an open field tackle or – Barry Brooks or Macon Clark or one of the cornerbacks, we've seen busted plays go from 20 to 70 yards. Um, None of this is to say that I think Tulane is going to stop East Carolina. It it just, it feels like the matchup isn't quite as daunting as it would be against UCF or SMU or Houston. Uh, Again, East Carolina could easily put up 40 points in this ballgame for sure. Um, But but stylistically, I think from a Tulane perspective, there's a little bit more optimism that you can have some good moments. Case in point, Andrew, um, as far as what you're talking about with the passing game, a lot of times being horizontal. Tyler Sneed against Tulsa had 16 receptions for 108 yards, so right there between six and a half and seven yards per reception. You know, a lot of uh, shallow crossers, flat routes, um, you know, Having uh, having the guy running a slant or not even truly running a slant, but um, you know, kind of creating a rub effect and that the legal pick place. 
Yeah, and I guess you see that a ton in college football these days, so nobody should be surprised. But if you're Jack Curtis, the defensive coordinator for Tulane, look, there's some pressure on him. Uh, There was an expectation that the defense was, because of the defensive line, going to be not just good, but really, really good this season. And there's been some tough moments. Um, He was joking with me at practice one day. He's, you know, the way college football goes these days, he's like, it's just not – we're playing basketball out there sometimes, and we want to be more than soccer, but less than basketball. It's a frustrating time to be a defensive coordinator. Quite frankly, guys, I think you can look up the roads of Blacksburg, Virginia, and think that's part of the reason Bud Foster's like, this is this is a mess out here. I'm a darn good defensive coordinator, and look what these guys are doing. Uh, I've, I've won my games. I'm going to go hang out at Claytor Lake uh, outside of Blacksburg. It's hard to be a defensive coordinator these days. It really, really is. Um, so I'll be interested to see the game plan they draw up. One phase of the game we have not discussed thus far is the special teams. And if I recall correctly, you have a pretty good tip kicker. Uh, so just talk about him and then also um, the return aspect. Yeah, Ryan Wright is the punter. He's been incredibly consistent. I think he's um, first in the conference in punting average. He's not been, I suppose, perfect, but he's been certainly good. Merrick Glover is a good kicker. I wouldn't classify him as, you know, a Bajan Nichols over at Navy that can kind of win a game for you late with a 60-yard field goal. Uh, But Merrick Glover has been a consistent field goal kicker for Tulane, and probably anything inside 45 yards you feel pretty darn good about uh, for Merrick Glover. Um, also, Amari Jones has been banged up, but he is back. Uh, he likely will not return punts for Tulane, so that's notable uh, just in that running running back spot uh, for Amari Jones. So Jaquan Jackson will take those duties, probably both on kickoffs and punts. He's awfully good. He's a sophomore. And then most notably, Bubba, as you ask about uh, special teams, is the fact that earlier in the season, uh, Tulane was struggling with kickoff coverages. I think when there was like 75 teams that were playing, Tulane was ranking 64th in kickoff coverages. That's incredibly atypical for Willie Fritz, who spends a lot of time working with the special teams, right? He empowers his offensive coordinator, he empowers his defensive coordinator, and he spends some time with the special teams. Uh, So the fact that they struggled was out of character. And I will say they have shored that part of the game up big time. I think they're now like 30th the country when it comes to kickoff return coverage so they have corrected that issue overall Tulane is a pretty good team when it comes to special teams should be a tremendous game um Jay did you have anything else for Andrew before we wrap this up no good talk with you Andrew really and really appreciate the visit Andrew and uh, have an excellent (laughs) call Uh, like you said unfortunately uh, you'll be doing this from afar down in New Orleans very much like Jeff Charles and the Paradigm Network has been broadcasting. Nonetheless, have an excellent call and tell folks if they want to hear the uh, opposing call and how they can tune in because I believe you guys are on TuneIn Radio, correct? We are on TuneIn Radio. Um, As always, it's not uh, not difficult. Just download the TuneIn Radio app. All you have to do, it's free. You can go to the Tulane Sports Network and you can pull up our broadcast. I believe we're on Sirius XM this week as well. I don't have the station, but uh, for folks that have satellite radio, you can check out the schedule. I believe we are there as well. Uh, But, you know, listen to Jeff Charles because he calls a darn good game as well. Or or listen to Jay. I hear he's a great color commentator.
All right. Uh, great uh, pirate preview. A great interview there. Andrew Allegretta from the play-by-play voice of the Tulane Green Wave guys were uh, recorded that yesterday afternoon. Any uh, any changes in your mind as far as the game? I'm feeling a lot better, uh, certainly this end of the week than I was maybe Sunday or Monday. Uh, I, I think one of the great things Coach Houston said is you wonder about how well a team will respond. He truly, I think, was sincere when he said they had a great week of practice. And then you look at you look at the Pirates now. I think that they're going to. Um, I think they're going to respond. Uh, you can look at it two ways: that it'll be emotional, where they have a lot of penalties, a lot of mistakes. But I think this team is not going to be flat. I think this team is going to be fired up. They know they won that game, and they should have won that Navy game. It should be three games in a row they won. Uh, so, guys, I, I feel good about the game on Saturday at high noon. Yeah, I, I do think there are you know some matchup situations that favor Tulane, but like I said, sometimes you're just due, and uh, you know, maybe it's time for uh, maybe it's time for old C.J. Johnson to uh, to uh, you know, he talked about some trouble in the passing game, with the uh, defending the pass with the vertical ball. You know, Adi Abitasho made some plays last week, and uh, yep. you know, C.J. Johnson's had his spots, but C.J. hadn't had that game yet this year, so maybe this is the week old C.J. lights it up. And uh, has a field day against the Tulane secondary. No yeah, question about it. That's something I thought about, Kyle, um, when I heard Andrew and just the stuff I had read elsewhere uh, as far as playing pass defense. I think, hey, maybe this is the week that, that CJ Johnson has, uh, you know, seven, eight catches and a hundred plus yards. Yeah, it would. It would be the. It would be the time to do it. Um, we uh we need to win this one j- just because of what's happened the last couple of weeks. Um, guys, have have we discussed uh the news that came out today about the Marshall situation? We know I was saving that on purpose, Kyle, to this point. So nice segue there, uh, Mr. Barber. That's why they call you Kyle from Lagrange. Uh, the I want I was gonna pitch it to you. I know that you and I we had a group text earlier about that. Can you? Uh, the details came out this afternoon about that, and I'll pitch it to you, Kyle. For uh, I know this is a game. We'll uh, preface by saying that it was going to be a week zero game. It was going to be obviously November fourteenth uh, coming up as the fiftieth anniversary. A really big splash, of course, with COVID uh, pushed the game back, and then they postponed it. And Kyle, now what's the news today? Yeah, it's not going to be played. CUSA has uh, has made Marshall. Uh, play rice on december 5th so marshall is unable to play us so uh the game won't happen coach uh coach athletic director sean gilbert did say he anticipates playing a game december 5th said it's gonna be a fluid situation don't want to schedule anything just yet in case we have to make up a conference game there he said but if uh he said if things fall right he said uh he uh he anticipates playing a game december 5th so it sounds like he has an opponent in mind, and uh, we're just waiting to make sure uh, it can happen before we announce it. Bubba, did you take it that way from what you read? Did you read it also? I actually have not had the opportunity to read it yet. Um, well, you've had the opportunity. You just haven't taken it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had certainly nothing wouldn't. else going on. No, not at all. Um obviously it's a huge disappointment guys i think that that but the way that um isn't it perfect for 2020 uh that 
that's why you have to say it's 2020 because this Marshall game was, is a really big deal uh, for both programs. The 50th anniversary of the plane crash. You know, you know so- what, Dave? You know what it is, but I think it's better. I'm assuming we're still going to go there next year, and I would assume that what's going. This is again an assumption. I would assume that game's still going to be played just in another year. I'd rather play Marshall when we can pack that place. Even though this is the anniversary, it would still be yeah. 3,500 people. So I would much rather have Marshall in here when we can have 40 to 50,000 people in there because that game's going to draw no matter when it's played. So uh, <clears throat> l- let's let's play them another year. You know, we'll go we'll go up there next year, and then they can come here uh, several years down the road. What I'm excited about is Gilbert. Uh, we seeming seemingly willing to uh, schedule another game December 5th. I don't. I don't know what the determining factor is going to be with that, if it's going to be based on our record um, or, or what, but it, it certainly sounds like he's willing and that there's uh, there's something out there that he's eyeing. Um, if I read the statement, if I interpreted the statement correctly. Well, you guys, if you think about it too, is that the very fact if somehow you could win on Saturday, uh, there's winnable games still on the schedule. Um, and I, I feel like that, and we maybe we can uh, steal one of the games like we talked about, Kyle. Maybe, who knows, the Cincinnati game or the last game of the season, SMU, which uh, both of them are really good teams. But maybe you could steal one of those games, get red hot, uh, win a few games, and uh, then you have the game December fourth. Maybe you could be what four and six on the year. And well, uh, if have you, a if you, I mean, it depends. Uh, let's you know if we can win Saturday. Um, let's, let's just say we win Saturday and then let's say we beat Temple and then let's right. say we upset SMU. Well, guess what? Then you're playing the, whatever game it is, December 5th for 500 for five and five. Yeah. Um, right. let's say, let's say we, uh, you know, lose Saturday, but we beat Temple and we beat SMU. Um, then you're playing for win number four and, uh, you'd, uh, be four and six. So, I mean. Either way, you know, I, I I think it's worth playing December fifth, no matter what the record is, because even right. if we're sitting there with one win, uh, two wins is better than one. So um, uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how 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 it plays out, um, and and who we end up playing, and uh, if we end up playing. But it certainly sounds like Gilbert is willing to play a game on the fifth. Yeah, there there's no question that that game is. Uh... It'll be, and let me ask uh, you guys. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask Jay. We'll ask you throw it around the table, so to speak. Uh, do you play a FCS opponent? Do you play a FBS opponent that you think you can win? Uh, I would assume that uh, there's some games out there, some teams out there would love to have a game. Uh, what what would you guys do? I would I would assume an FCS opponent. Well, yes, um, unless it's a situation where you can get a UMass cheaper than an FCS. They went to Georgia State, for Georgia Southern for $60,000. So, what? And it, yeah. So, an FCS wow. or UMass um, w- w- would be uh, something you know you can win. Um, granted, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, I, I would I would like, if we schedule a game on December 5th, I would like to look at it and think we should win that game. Right. It's basically what it comes down to with this crazy schedule. It's more like the December 5th game is more like the Labor Day game, the warm-up game you have at the beginning of the season to get the season off right. The FCS opponent we've talked about with what you would like with your schedule. 
And now it's the reverse you have at the end of the season because you, that would help you with your win totals. And really, there'd be if if you have three, four, I I would even say people think I'm crazy. I think three and seven, you could take a bowl bid if uh, if you have an offer, take it. What do you think, Bob? With you, uh, FCS? Um, I, I was looking at some possibilities. Um, Western Carolinas out there. Yeah, that that's a possibility. Um, I was looking. What about at, Campbell? Have they done? I know they talked about they're, playing they're, just they're, a few. They're, they're I was they're looking not at playing UMass. Uh, Kyle, you're talking about UMass, and they, funny enough, uh, play Marshall. Um, they're going against the 16th ranked herd this weekend, and they are 44 and a half point underdogs. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Ooh. assuming they're open on December 5th. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was also checking Coastal Carolina and Liberty. And they play each other. On December fifth, yeah. Hey, I've got a I got a question. Can we play UConn on December fifth? Hey, they, I don't know if UConn's going to play a game. I heard they might play UMass and play one game. Hey, maybe ODU wants to play just one game. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Randy Etzel will get a huge bonus for going undefeated one and That's right. <laughs> the way his contract written, you maybe you're right. Um, I uh. I got another one thrown at you guys. Uh, what if you're sitting there with four wins? I and mean, Grant, we got we got to get a lot of wins to get four wins, right? Yeah. Right. What if you're sitting there with four wins, and uh, do you do you dare do you dare schedule a game the fifth and twelfth two FCS opponents to get to six wins? I, well, I think if uh, under normal circumstance, normal years, you would only be able to get one anyway. But I think with four, uh, four wins, uh, if you had the one, would be five and five. And five win, believe it or not, five hundred of five and five will get you to a bowl game. So yeah, the only other, the only way I would yourself a winning season. Well, not only that, but here's another question I'll throw at you, Kyle. Now that you it's, brought that up, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm just, I'm just. You know, no, I don't. No, but uh, the reason I was going to uh, chime in on that to add to your point, uh, what if uh, what if this is all about uh, pecking order, meaning that if you get the six and five and they allow the two, uh, your chances of playing a bowl game obviously are better at six and five than than if you have the four wins, right? I mean, I, I would think, but who knows? Uh, yeah, I guess it depends on how the conference is going to do it. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, guys, would you, you know, let, let's say things don't fall our way and we're, and we're sitting there with two wins at the end of the year, or God forbid one, but we'll say two. Let's say we're sitting there with two wins at the end of the year. Would you still play it and try to get to three? I would because yeah. to me, three and seven sounds better than two and uh, two and uh, yeah, two and seven. I definitely would. I think the Pirates are, uh, I think that, you know, when our friend Terry Gallagher, former wide receiver of the Pat Dyer era, said this is a long spring football. Uh, with the extra year of eligibility, it's been such a crazy year. Um, having that extra game is kind of like having a bowl game anyway, where you get you will get another week of practice. And and I mean, who knows that the way crazy things would have to fall? I would think, as far as there's going to be a number of teams before you, but even with um, even at three and seven, we might be able to go. Yeah, I think I it's think going to depend uh, for the bowl discussion goes. What it's going to depend on, you know, like you got max schools. They're only playing six games. 
you know, uh, so to me, a three and three Mac school, you only played six games. Give me a break. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. So are they going to be looked at the same as us? You know, they still have their bowl ties. Or are there going to be some conferences that go, you know what, we're not going to play bowl games? Are there going to be some schools that are just going to go, you know what, even though we had one record, we're not playing bowl games. We're putting the season to bed. Um, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. You still have your bowl contracts with these conferences. The MAC and, you know, the Mountain West, et cetera, uh, they're playing football now, and they still have bowls that they're contracted to. How's all that going to work? You know, I'm really interested to see are all these teams going to – are all these conferences going to play bowls? And are all the teams in the conference going to play bowls? Yeah, Kyle, you brought up Western Carolina. Um, looking at their schedule, um, they play at Liberty on November 14th, um, then at EKU on November 21st, and then December 11th, which is a Friday night, they play at North Carolina. So yeah, so we – would, would they play us six days before playing the Tar Heels? Well, you know what you you could you could play them uh you could play them Thursday night you could play them Friday night that way you could give them exactly a week. So no reason you know we couldn't do that. Uh, so I mean uh, maybe as you know Chattanooga's available. UTC I know they were trying to schedule some games. I know Nebraska had scheduled them. Uh, to make up for their game that they had lost to Wisconsin. And then the yeah. Big Ten said, no, you can't do that. So uh, you might want to check UTC and see if they have anything scheduled because uh, uh, they could play four. And I know they were still looking for games. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, to guess uh, the December 5th game and maybe they don't schedule a game. But I, I really believe that Coach Houston would schedule that game knowing that Think about all the guys, the, the experience, the game experience of a Rajay Harris. Um, obviously, with a lot of the uh, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, uh, there's a, so many young guys, 54 new players on the team this year. There's so many reasons. And that's why if you're three and seven, four and six, you, you got to play. If you're, if you're allowed to play a bowl game, as starved as this, this fan base is, um, but more importantly than even the fans, the the extra practices. I mean, that's why I really believe that if we're, I think the threshold I would say is four and six, five and five for us to. But four and six will be where you you have to you have to go to a bowl. I mean, I don't I don't I, three maybe some people would say three and seven you don't go, but um, we're not in the position to be choosy. And also the fact that I, I'll tell you this: if the American wants to make up for uh, that BS that happened at Tulsa. Uh, how about if uh, if a team with a losing record from the American gets to go to a bowl that is East Carolina? How about that, hey, American? You, you that want you want to good. make up you want to make up for that Tulsa game? How about if one team from the American gets to go to a bowl with a losing record? You you, you make sure it's the Pirates. That and and that's totally fair because you know and the reality is we won that game. We really should be sitting at least two wins on the yep, uh, in the yep. win column. Yeah, and, and if you look back at the Navy game, we I mean, think about if we were sitting here with three wins. Man. I mean, we would really be talking about that December 5th game. Hey, guys, if we were sitting here with three wins, then you know that December 5th game would be playing for 500 just about at least. Yep. Think about that. Think about that. We, we would be sitting here going, guys, as long as we win one more game, you get an FCS opponent in here December 5th for Absolutely. 500. So, Absolutely. Like, no doubt about it. It's uh... – I know. Brent. Can you imagine what it would be like this week? I'm getting ready to talk oh, about our, our 
our fourth straight victory and going to four and one in the American. Oh, we would be talking about competing for second place in the conference, Bubba. That oh, would be the right. talk right now. Nobody's even talked about that. Had we been, had we won these last two weeks, the talk right now with Cincinnati and SMU still on the schedule, we we would be talking about trying to work our way into the championship game. Wow, that's 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 amazing. How and I hadn't thought about it that how close we really are uh, when you put it in that perspective. But wow, that's that's a good point, Jay. Uh, I tell you, with the game on the line uh, on Saturday. Um, how much uh, time do you put in as far as preparation? And then uh, do we have how much time as far as preparation? And I asked you beforehand, but I wanted people to know that you're not going to be just showing up at the stadium uh, with a police escort at 1130. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I miss those police escort days, though. Those are nice when you're playing and, you know, <laughs> they block off all the roads and there's no traffic. <laughs> But uh, for preparation, yeah, it's I've watched about eight games uh, for a piece so far for both teams and, um, you know, get the boards together with uh, the two deeps for both teams. Make sure we have all the stats and all the storylines and talk to the coaches and listen to the the conference calls. So there's a lot, you know, a lot of research and a lot of studying going on into it. Um, but I'll tell you, the the uh, sports administration staff. um the SIDs, Tom Simons and Tom McClellan at East Carolina have both been outstanding. And there's so many people behind the scenes that go in, that go into the broadcast, that give you all the information and help out to make it, you know, to make it as good as possible. So it's so appreciative, you know, for all the people that help out. Can you do me who's one favor? To, who, who, hold, hold, one second, Dave. Who's scheduled yeah. you to call this game? Was it, was it ESPN or East Carolina? Uh, it's ESPN. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. I was going to make sure that all the broadcasters know two things. It's East Carolina University. And all, another thing is, that's the most important thing. The second most important thing, Rajay Harris. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I know, it's, it's, I've been practicing that this week to make sure I've got the pronunciation down. What is <laughs> that for East Carolina or for Rajay? He's got the J in there. So I just got to say, Ra, you know, first. <laughs> if, if, uh, if Jay calls us Eastern Carolina, I swear to God. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> Don't you guys worry. I, w- I won't do it. <laughs> well, hey, hey, Jay, we'll throw a flag on you for sure. If you- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kick, kick me out. Kick me out of the stadium. <laughs> He's going to be suspended. We're going to make sure Jay's suspended for one broadcast at least. <laughs> Reprimanded. Hey, and then Coach Houston, I guess it was either his radio show on Monday night or yeah. the press conference Tuesday. He, he slipped up and, and said, Roger. Yeah, he did. I think Brian Bailey corrected him on it. Um, hey Jay, can you get in a sports objective shout out on the uh, on the broadcast? Uh, I'm going to give you guys a shout out. What do you want me to say? Say, listen Holy to the sports morning. objective. I'm going to say hey to you guys. I'm going to say hey, Bubba, Dave, Kyle. All right, on? go ahead, do it. You know how uh, you guys I'm are say too hey young, to the crew but... at the sports objective. Listen to it. It's the best podcast on the air. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> Uh, well, Carol Burnett, the Carol Burnett show, she used to, at the very end of her show, you should just do, uh, like, grab her earlobe. Maybe you can yeah, do something yeah. like that so we would know that you're talking to us and saying hello. I'll give you guys a signal. Yeah. Yeah, gra- <laughs> grab your earlobe while you're calling the game. No, nobody can see you, but just grab your earlobe. I'll do, like, a baseball signal, you know, like, on the third base. No, they're doing an indicator. <laughs> I'd rather just the say, listen to the sports objective. I'll see what I can do. I'll, I'll see what we'll get something in there in the second quarter. 
<laughs> we're going to actually sneak Kyle into the uh, Telbank Tower and have you come in and sit in the broadcast. I'm sure he can uh, go a whole game without uh, cheering for the team or <laughs> dropping some f bombs or mfs or. Oh, I, I, I can, I can go the whole game without dropping an f. Hey, Dave, you, you know the situation with the the elevator up to Talbank Tower. You know how you oh. it's two people, right? You know, yeah. from the media. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's the same for the public. You you could have Kyle and Kieran Shanahan, and those are the two people on the elevator. Yeah, I've had that happen. Uh, he didn't know who I was, but yeah, <laughs> I was actually, it was uh, for homecoming last year and Mike Oresco was there and I was running a little tight, uh, not real bad on, I was early about 15 minutes, but still it was closer than I thought. And I was trying to get up there and I looked and he said, oh yeah, we built the, we built this for you. I guess you like it better now. And I looked and it was him and I was like, Okay, I don't want to embarrass my mom and dad right now, so I just smiled and I didn't say anything. But I know Kyle, you wouldn't have. Kyle, would you have uh, talked to Kieran, your buddy? Yeah, if he would have said we built this for you, referring to the media, I would have said, "Yeah, you bankrupted us." Uh, <laughs> that's, 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 that's my response to, to to old Karen, old Karen Shanahan. Oh, you I know, thought you were saying Kyle. Who, who else can we hire, Kyle? Yeah, I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Bubba, it's a great question. Who else can we hire? That's, what a clown. What a complete clown. You know, you know. I know his name is Kieran, but I like to call him Karen. And uh, Karen's become a, uh, a a thing now. You know, that's that's the new thing. It's somebody is like a, a overdramatic white chick. She's a Karen. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I like that. You know, his, his name is Karen. Karen Shanahan. Well, um we were the greatest podcast of the Pirates. <laughs> we still are. Uh, hey, if you don't still... like it, Karen, sue the sports objective. Dave's copyrighted it. Sue me. <laughs> We've heard that before. Sue me. Um, Jay, <laughs> let's get back on the rails. Uh, I do love Kyle with all my heart. He's hilarious. Um, but as far as uh, the game is concerned, uh, when you're looking at the uh, one thing that I was going to say, guys, is um, I know we talked about a great deal about their special teams, but I think our special teams with Jake Verity, um, there was a question about John Young, but John actually, they, um, Coach Houston said tonight um, on his press conference, if, uh, for those who didn't watch it or listen to it, uh, the very fact that they, uh, that John was hurt. Um, he had some injuries, so it'll be interesting to see how, uh, who starts at, as, at, that's going to be one of the question so marks. Is Young out? Is he out? Uh, they he Houston wouldn't say if it was going to be both of them um, playing, which is interesting. You know how we always joke about running back by committee. I was thinking about that earlier tonight. We have punters by committee. <laughs> so are we going to see the Aussie? Are we going to see the rugby yeah, kicking? Possibly both of them. Yeah. Oh, all right. Hey, but you know what? That actually is a good thing because uh, how many people could say that they have multiple punters that are that we're even in the punter room? We're great. Uh, I haven't seen the Aussie kick, but you know, let's hope. Uh, uh, you know, uh, hopefully uh, he'll. Uh, he played last week. Adequate, hopefully he'll get off adequate punts. Yeah, he played last week. Did he play last week? Yeah, he had three punts. Yeah, um, Young didn't start last week. He was a uh, uh, coach. Houston said tonight he was the. I uh, didn't notice. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> well. Uh, I know those numbers couldn't couldn't be right because against Tulsa, I think we only punted twice. That's correct. That's correct. And uh, only two punts. <laughs> and uh, John Young he held punted the, three times. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, 
Um, <laughs> having fun here tonight. Hey, um, let's do our predictions. Um, Jay, are you are you going to go? Do you want to sit out since you're? Yeah, I, I probably have to sit out. <laughs> yeah, I figured. So, Kyle, I'll start with you. Um, man, I, I I hope we win this one. I really do. Um, I'm I'm gonna say it goes to overtime. Jay, get ready, baby. You're gonna call an overtime game in Daddy Pickle. <laughs> um, I'll be ready. I, I'm gonna say uh, say East Carolina 37, Tulane 34. Pirates win it in overtime. Woo! How about you, Bubba? I will go East Carolina 41 and Tulane. 31. Oh, nice. I hope you're right. I'm going Pirates 45, and I'm going with uh, Tulane 38. I think it's going to be a touchdown. We're going to win by a touchdown is what I'm – that's my gut feeling, so I'm going to stick with my my gut a touchdown, and I think we're going to uh, – Kyle's been talking about that game, and one of our mutual friends – I won't say who he is, uh, Kyle, but one of our mutual friends said that, uh, that you were right on this game and that this is going to be the game where – uh, the Pirates score a lot of points, so and win the game. So I'll, I'll go with. I'll trust right him. This game. Yeah, in other words, he thinks that this is going to be the game that the Pirates break out and score a lot of points. Uh, and, I know who you're talking about, and uh, yeah, uh, it would be nice if it's this game. I got a feeling it's going to be the SMU game that, that happens, but hey, uh, this game, I'll take it. That's fine. Whichever one that means, take a win. How we get it? Yeah, we'll take it any way we get it. Uh, want to mention a few other things, odds and ends, uh, real quick before we get out of here. Um, hey, give a shout out, guys, to HV3 Bubba. I don't know if we had a chance to tell you, Kyle, but HV3, a big day this afternoon. Um, what was that called again? Is it the Vivant Houston Open? That is correct. The, the Vivant Houston Open. And that's what HV3 shot three under uh, 67. And he is in a six way tie for second place behind. Um, Brant Snedeker, who shot five under at um, a 65. And, you know, guys, uh, Kyle, I know you said a couple times uh, somebody's due. Don't you think HB3 is due to win? He's like, what, above 120th in the world? But he's been so close so many times uh, here of late the last year or so that uh, he's actually made me watch more than the majors and the PGA. I've got somebody to really root for really hard to be a great pirate like HB3. Yeah, Harold's put in – put himself in position a lot going into the weekend, but it um, may be even a few times going into the final round, but just hasn't been able to uh, make enough shots on the weekend. But hopefully it's going to happen soon. I, I definitely think Harold will get into the winner's circle sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not a golf guy, but uh support HP3. He's a pirate. So uh, hopefully he'll uh, get it done and, keep chipping away and and uh, get some wins. <laughs> I know nothing about golf guts. Hey, uh, hey, Bubba, how cool would it be with uh, – maybe we'll take uh, Kyle on another road trip to Augusta. How cool would it be to be at the Masters and you get a chance to be at the Masters and HV3 gets that green jacket? Would that not be like I, – I would be out of my mind. I would be like probably like Kyle be yelling really loud and being not the proper golf etiquette. Um, but that would be – wouldn't that be awesome? I'm going to have to give me a purple jacket with, with the Masters logo. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Uh, another thing, Bubba, what about uh, with the Pirate Club, the Pirate Chase Race? I know they were 
They had to change it because of obviously COVID stuff to um, it's a fundraiser for the Pirates. And I want to give a shout out to them because it's going to start on Saturday. And basically what it is, uh, you have to keep up with your stats between now and the 21st. So two weeks, uh, you can do a 10K, you can do a 5K, and they also have a one-mile fun run. I think I could do that. Uh, uh, one mile for two, uh, take me two weeks to do it. <laughs> yeah. And for more information, uh, you can visit uh, com. Like you said, November 7th to the 21st, a 5K, 10K, or one mile fun run. Uh, it's for the 5K and 10K, $25. And then the one mile fun run, $10. It says the 2020 Pirate. Chase Race Fest will take place virtually uh, on those dates. All proceeds from this race benefit ECU student-athlete scholarships. Each participant will receive a T-shirt after completion of the event. Come on, Kyle. Can you do the fun, fun run with me? Well, if it's all virtual and we're just saying we did it, sure. <laughs> How about yeah, if I, I drive you a mile? Hell, I'll drive I just you ran a mile. mile. I just ran a mile, guys. Done. Just did it. I was going to pencil roll a mile. <laughs> I'm on. Oh, I'm on. Uh, I'm gonna do something for a mile. But, uh, we'll, we'll video. You, we'll, we'll put it on the sports objective. That would. Let me tell yeah, you Bubba. If so, if y'all ever see me running a mile, please help me because <laughs> something's chasing me. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. We, you're right, Bubba. We can put that on YouTube, our YouTube channel. That would be epic, man. You see Kyle running a mile. Mother, look, dude. Or, I, or rolling a mile. Look, I get it. I get it. I'm fat. If you guys, either one of you think, hey, no, honestly, mile, Kyle, that's, that's not the reason I said roll. I, I'm just, I'm talking about, uh, you know, Greg McElroy, and uh, he talked about having, having to do it when he was at Alabama. Um, he he was late for a meeting prior to their game with Tennessee. I would I rather roll them all, and, and he had he had to roll something like. I don't know, six, seven, eight hundred yards the following week in practice. So that was right there, obviously approaching a half a mile. Why is that hard? Rolling? Just rolling? I mean, why would that be hard? I would rather hey, run it. You'd be, well, yeah, I know it doesn't sound hard, but just, just wait. <laughs> That's eight football fields, man. Eight football fields. And hey, and after a while, hey, We've had we've had players do it in the past, and they'll start rolling sideways. They'll roll, they'll roll uh, negative negative thirty or forty yards, and then so then they're rolling, you know, <laughs> forty Jay, more you, where they started. Jay, did you, know you ever rolling, have that? You're talking, about rolling, you're talking about rolling from side to side, right? Not 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 doing cartwheels, not doing front rolls, right? I'm, I'm talking about lying down on the ground horizontally and rolling well, like a log. Yeah. Yes, I'm not talking about a, a, a know, front row. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about a, you know somersault or yeah. I, I, would, I don't know about eight football fields, but I tell you what, if I had the choice between running a football field and rolling a football field, I would take rolling a football field. No way, it's worse, dude. I'm telling you, it's worse. You can definitely I'm run. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. I am 400 pounds, ladies, and uh, I, I have two bad knees. And if you think I'm running the football field, you can kiss my ass. I'm going to roll it. So if the Pirates lose, are you going to run the football field this week? Are you going to take a bet with us? Run it? No, I'll roll it. I, I, Y'all run it. I will roll it. Can we well, talk about Ryan Hague? We, we cannot get on the field. But 
last year, that was one of the things you could go on the field after the game because um, we actually went on the field after the Tulsa game last year just because Riley wanted to go. Um, but I don't know. I, th- I think next year, um, if, if that's still a, still a thing in 2021, I say we, yeah. go on, we go on the field after the first game and we'll get footage of Kyle rolling 100 yards for, for our Facebook page. Look, I'm not, telling you I want to, I'm not telling you I want to roll 100 yards. I'm telling <laughs> you, if you if you tell me I have to run 100 yards or roll 100 yards, I'm going to take roll 100 yards. I, I think I what we should do is run, the reverse. I could not run 100 yards. I couldn't do it. My, my fat ass would give out. I'd give out a breath. My kneecaps would pop out of place. I'm telling you, in the shape I'm in right now, you know, I'm a big boy. I, I could not run a uh, hundred yards. I couldn't do it. I, maybe, I, maybe I'm underestimating this rolling thing. But oh my I, god, I, Jay, Dave, yeah, let me Jay, ask we you need to know. Dave, let me ask you a question. How many times have you rolled? I mean, you're saying like you're you're talking about this from experience. When, when, when you were playing football, Dave, did you get out there and do rolling drills? I didn't, but I, I can tell you have that you it's ever, like. Have you ever rolled? Have you ever rolled in any sort of athletic way? I rolled down hills uh, even as a teenager, but not like rolling a um, hundred yards on a football field. So how do you know it's harder? I because I've I can run a hundred yards. I, I won't be the fastest guy, but I can definitely run a hundred yards a lot faster than rolling a hundred yards. I didn't say faster. I'm saying which one would be easier? Which one would be? Which one could I do without killing myself? You would be surprised. You could do a lot better uh, running than you can rolling, I bet you. Uh, okay. It's a lot harder than you. I, I still say I, I, I've never done it, but it looked in my mind, just envisioning it that if you go, if you're talking about end zone or, you know, end zone to end zone, 100 yards. Oh, then, I, it'll uh, be slow. It'll be slow and methodical, but I, I, it'll be easier. Okay. So it's not a time. So we don't have Bubba. Do we need a Jay? Do we need a time limit on this? Can you, you and Corey Glore can call it. You can, we can have you on there and do the YouTube channel and have both of you do, do a commentary on will Kyle do it. Uh, he's at the 20, he's at the 25, he's at the 30, the 35, the 40, the 45, the 50. I've, well, I've had to do like Will Barrow stuff. And the tough thing about it is I don't, I, f- I would feel his pain. <laughs> so I don't wish that upon anybody. So it would, oh, no. it would be so, tough. So just rolling like a log, rolling like a log, right? You know, down a field, you, Jay, as you, you think that, so you're saying as, as an experienced division one football player, you think that that's like tougher than running. Well, it's, I mean, it depends if, if you have to do 200 sprints, I'd say that's worse. Yeah, but the rolling thing is only bad if you have to do it like a lot. So I mean, right. give me two. So if I was given fifteen minutes to roll a hundred yards, no problem, oh. right? Oh, no problem. That's what I'm thinking. All right, thank you. But if you if you had to roll for fifteen minutes continuously, that's terrible, <laughs> right? But exactly. I'm, but I'm given fifteen minutes to roll a hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can roll ten yards every two minutes or whatever the math exactly. is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got faith in you. I'd rather do that than run. I mean, I, maybe I'm. Well, wrong, how far would you run though? A hundred yards. Just r- run. Yeah. For fifteen. Well, how long would it take you to run a? Well, wait, wait. So do I? Wait a minute. Now I'm giving fifteen minutes to run it all. Well, 
hell, if I'm given 15 minutes to run it also, <laughs> I, I may do that then. Because I can just run five yards, stop drinking, drinking Gatorade, and <laughs> sit down, and then start back. <laughs> hey, we, speaking of which, uh, I know we got to get out of here. Another topic. Did we, did we talk about the um, the Pepsi deal? That was the yeah. last week? No, we didn't, but Minji's. Yeah, East Carolina resigned with Minji's. Uh, Pepsi won the uh, the bidding war over Coke, and uh, starting next year will be the official soft drink of the Pirates again, and uh, the only soft drink I guess sold on campus at sporting events, etc. So uh, back to tradition. And uh, Dave, uh, I guess, uh, do you have the basketball schedule in front of you for non-conference? I know, I know, Bubba does. We're going to talk I, I about it that. right here. Okay, good. That was good. That was my next thing. Because when you said Gatorade, I, I knew we didn't mention that. So I wanted to, we're going to have Gatorade on the sideline uh, starting next year. So Bubba, what about the uh, the bubble? The bu- Was it the bubble uh, tournament? The beach bubble. Beach bubble. The beach bubble. I got used to saying that. We'll start off with um, the beach bubble, which is uh, the tournament, the Gulf Coast Showcase um, that is taking place uh, down in Florida where the Pirates will be uh, starting their season in Fort Myers. Um, Pirates get the nightcap on day one, November 25th, which is a Wednesday night, 8 o'clock against the Sycamores of Indiana State, Larry Bird's alma mater. And um, if if the Pirates are victorious, then they would play the winner of either uh, Omaha or uh, Austin P. And Austin the governor, the governors are actually very good. So it would, if we beat Indiana State, it would probably be Austin P. that we would meet in the semifinals. And then on the other side of the bracket, you have East Tennessee State. Obviously, the the Bucks won thirty games a season ago. I do think they lost a significant amount off that team, but uh, they're they're taking on Abilene Christian. And then also Akron out of the MAC is playing Conference USA's Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. And, and then um, also on the basketball scheduling front, we will play four home games this year. Um, and those four home games are going to be James Madison, uh, also uh, UNC Wilmington, Radford, and University of North Florida. Yeah, so we have three games, though, in that tournament we're going to play. Right. Indiana State. <laughs> And then somebody else, and then somebody else. Right. And uh, g- game two would either be Omaha or Austin P. And then. Okay. Um, hey, guys, it, I'm on a 2% battery. And all right. I'm away from my charger. So I got a crutch over there. But I may die. I may die here in a minute. All right. Jay, we, we will we will say goodbye to you right now and let you charge your phone. And good <laughs> good, good luck Saturday as you uh, hopefully are calling a pirate victory. Yeah, guys, thanks so much. Seriously, I appreciate appreciate having me on. It's going to be so much fun. So look forward to talking to you guys after the game next week, hopefully. Yeah, you can say the pirate. We'll know you're talking about us when you say, uh, everybody, every pirate fan, I wish you could be here so you could roll up and down uh, the 100 yards for for Dowdy Pickland Stadium. We'll know you're talking about the sports objective. (laughs) The the 100-yard challenge. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, right, guys, thanks so much. See you, buddy. All right, bye. All right, Jay Sonhalter, very excited for him on ESPN Plus. On that'll be on Saturday high noon, and um, talking about the the Pirates, Bubba. I know you were given the schedule. It's going to be a lot of fun, right? Non conference. Yep. Um, 
27 games overall, and then those seven non-conference games that you mentioned. So um, when it's all said and done, the Pirates will hopefully play, um, barring um, COVID setbacks, um, 14 games at Menji's and then 10 on the road, and then three neutral court games uh, down in Fort Myers. Hey, when does conference play start? Do we know? Because the last non-conference game is December. Huh? They're actually going to start it early. There's two different sets of um, conference games in December, right, Bubba? Right. Um, according to Coach Dooley, the latest um, is apparently um, all teams are going to attempt to play at least two conference games in December. Okay, because our last non-conference game is December 19th. That's why I asked. Yeah, and uh, that would be good. That'll be good, too. And the other thing that they're proposing, I think we talked about, is the fact that if you have uh, Cincinnati, uh, then if we went to Cincinnati, we'd play uh, the two games there at Cincinnati, or uh, it could be Tulane coming here, we'd play two games uh, here. Almost like if it's baseball, the way I equate it, it's like having a series uh, where you have two or three games uh, like you did for baseball. Uh, it would be like that for basketball, trying to limit the travel and limit the number, you know, obviously, I guess, interactions there between teams and all that. So, uh, yeah, Coach um, Julie, that's not going to happen. Oh, it's not? Okay. Okay. I know they seem like it would have been cost. Seemed like it would have been cost saving also. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that, that seems like a good that's idea. That's an idea that's still being tossed around uh, with uh, several other conferences, but um, I'm positive. Um, I heard Coach Dooley say that that idea has been tossed out by the American. So, uh, not, not that it couldn't change, but uh, he he did say that. But um, one of the things, Dave, I know we wanted to promote is some Division One basketball preview yes. for State of North Carolina and Tim Kraft at Gardner Webb. Um, he's one of the first we talked to, actually the very first we talked to, and he talked about the way the Big South is doing it in terms of scheduling. Yeah, that's going to be great. I appreciate your hard work on that, Bubba. 18 uh, programs in Division One. Uh, we did that for, uh, obviously, baseball, Kyle and Bubba, and now we're doing basketball, which is fantastic, along around the uh, state of North Carolina. So we'll take trips. It could be a beat writer. It could be a coach. Uh, play-by-play voice, but we're going to cover all 18 schools, and we'll have that to you um, in the next, uh, let's see, doing my math, what, the next 10 days or so. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And then um, what we have that coming up. I know we're going to try to do a pirate preview. We'll have that. We also have all kinds of great stuff, including we'll have our, our normal stuff as far as football season is concerned. And then uh, – it's hard to believe, but basketball season will be, like you said, in the around the 25th. So we'll have some stuff uh, around the beach bubble tournament and stuff like that. And the overtime, right, Bubba? Yeah. And um, like you're saying, we'll, we'll hopefully talk to some folks from Indiana State and then uh, and we'll, we'll preview what takes place um, or is going to take place down in Fort Myers as well as um, um, post-game with overtime. That'll be uh, fantastic. So we got a lot of stuff coming up. We got the Pirate Preview. We'll obviously have – oh, um, before we forget, too, we have the Inside Slant to talk about, Bubba. Yeah, um, taking a look at you know, Boise State and BYU and then also uh, Liberty playing their first game as a ranked team, going on the road to uh, play just their second game ever against Virginia Tech and um, also – and get the perspective of Palmer Toms from Dogs 24-7 on the 
on the uh, world's largest outdoor cocktail party taking place in Jacksonville. And um, also Will Vandervoort from the Clemson Insider about number one Clemson um, traveling without Trevor Lawrence to, to take on number four Notre Dame in South Bend, 7.30 on NBC Saturday night. It's going to be fantastic. We'll have that out as soon as uh, we can uh, tonight or tomorrow for sure. And then our Pirate playback will be coming up uh, after, obviously sometime after the game. All right, guys. Uh, thanks to Andrew Allegretta. And, of course, Jay Sonhalter has got the game on on Saturday at high noon on ESPN+. Plus. Good luck to the Pirates. Uh, any final words, Kyle, before we go? Just go Pirates. Uh, hopefully we can find a way to win the game Saturday. We, we, uh, we need a W. All right, Bubba, before we go, anything before we go? Go Pirates. All right, sounds good. All right, guys, good luck to the Pirates. We'll have all the great coverage. In the meantime, you've been watching and listening to the Pirate Preview right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. Go Pirates.